No fluff. Don't worry about your dick. That's going to come later. No lies. I just masturbated. Just real women. Cock rings. Cock rings. Talking real sex. I am so bruised on my girl bits. Sex gets real. Sex gets so real. So real up in here. With Dawn. What's the most sensitive part of your cock? And Dylan. Let's talk about the elusive clip. Now get ready to get real. Eating pussy. There you have it. Hi, everybody. It's Dawn. And Dylan. And Dylan is sick. (laughs) Don't make me laugh. I know, right? I'll just keep coughing. I know. It's like our first episode of 2016, and you sound horrible. But it's because I'm so mean, and I make you record, even when you're not feeling good. I know. I don't get a sick day. What the fuck? Yeah. But that's because we love our listeners so much. <laughs> they all want to hear me hacking and sniffling and that's right. my, my sexy horse voice. <laughs> I will be cutting out as much of that as possible. So if the episode seems a little choppy, it's probably because I'm trying to cut out some coughing fits. <laughs> so even though our new year hasn't actually happened yet, happy new year. Happy new this year. This is airing just after New Year's. We hope everybody had a super sexy, safe, fun New Year's. Oh. Right? I love how we broadcast into the future. I know, me too. Because <laughs> <laughs> by the time this airs, who knows what will have happened. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And I just want to start by saying our friend of the show, Cooper Beckett, from Life on the Swing Set, we had him on uh, last year talking all things swinging and poly. He wanted me to tell all of you something super exciting. So he has a a new book that's coming out in February called A Life Less Monogamous. And he is actually offering a 25% discount to anybody who pre-orders the ebook or the paperback if you order it through him. So uh, Cooper asked me to share it with all of you, and I think that's an amazing deal, 25% off. So if you're interested, you can pre-order the ebook or the paperback um, at a lifelessmonogamous.com. Mm. So I'll have a link up on our site for this episode. It'll be episode 90. And that's a lifelessmonogamous.com. That's Cooper Beckett's new book all about non-monogamy and all of his stories and stuff. So yeah, totally check that out. With a 25% discount, I'm totally going to score the ebook too. Totally. Yeah, because I think that's an amazing deal. Okay, we have lots of stories Uh, a really intense question that I actually had like six other educators all weigh in on. So we'll be talking about that. And then I also have a new toy that I brought. Where do you want to start? Um, let me see your new toy. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, geez. Whoa. Can I touch that? Yeah. Or is it Ben? It's it's washed. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ben places, but it's It's washed. It's Ben places. Yeah. So that's Um, the, the love ends, uh, lush vibe. That's actually an antenna that stays outside your pussy. Oh, wow. So the Love Ends is a silicone toy. And here, I'll turn it on. It looks like um, a little sperm. It it kind of does. So basically, it sits just inside your pussy. Like, you push it in. Uh And then it's got this long tail on it that's actually an antenna that hangs outside your body. And you control it using this app on your phone. Now, the awesome part about it is... Turn it on. I'm holding it in my hand. Oh my god! Yeah, right. So I can just like drag up and down. Oh, and if I want, if I want superpower, I hit the lightning bolt. 
Holy shit. Right? So I can like, here's the best part. Alex has this app on his phone and there's an option to give control to a partner without having to ask permission, which I've set. And um, if, if he tells me to put that inside of myself, as long as my phone is near that, he can control it from anywhere in the world. And so oh we've been playing God. with it and like, I put it in, we get on Skype and he completely controls my orgasm and my experience. And Holy like, shit. you can sync it up with music. So here's Britney Spears three. Oh my God. And it makes the vibe dance to the music. Oh my God. Totally. Yeah. And you can also do it off of voice. So Alex can speak into his app and it vibrates based on Holy the shit. rise and fall of his voice. Wow. Isn't that cool? Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, this is really like, it's, a, it's really strong too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm super sensitive to the vibe thing, so uh-huh. I can't even only imagine. It's actually and like. That's a pretty good size. It is. a. It's a pretty good size. So there. I'm going to say, I'm going to put a link to it. It was a Kickstarter campaign that what Alex What is that called? I, it's called the Lush Vibe by Love Ends. Love Ends? I think it's it's Love N-S-E, so I think it's Love Ends. Oh, okay. Um, But they, they make a lot of um, like remote type toys, uh-huh. which I think is the future of toys, honestly. Yeah. And so I, I don't think that it's perfect. Here's the thing with this toy. So it's a little bit bigger than a bullet. Um, the part that goes inside of you, like it's a little taller and a little thicker than a bullet. I guess bullet. the bullet is another toy. Yeah, it's okay. like a pretty standard toy right. that's been around for a really long time. But um, yeah, it's maybe like a small dildo size around yeah. and it's only three inches long. So it just like barely goes inside. The problem is once you lube it up, mm-hmm. um, unless you stay very still and with your legs closed, it shoots out. Ah. So unless you're like really gripping it with your muscles, which I can do once I get really aroused, then I can grip it. Um, I would never be able to keep this inside of me if I was on all fours without holding it in. Oh. Um, so I've had to stay oh. on my back or lay on my side. So it does limit the number of positions that I do. And I've had to kind of like when it's inside me, I have to kind of hold the antenna so that it stays in just the right spot. Oh. Um, so, you know, the design, I think for something that just like hangs out inside your vaginal canal yeah. with lube, it's a lot, it's not easy to make something like that happen without yeah. it like clamping onto something. Right, right. So I think they've done the best that they can with it. The antenna is also a little bit weak in that, like, if I close my legs and the antenna is between my thighs, I lose the connection with my phone. So I actually have to, because it's Bluetooth enabled. So it Bluetooths to my phone. So I have to keep my phone close. It could be longer. Yeah, either longer or just like a better quality, mm-hmm. but that would make the price of the toy go up, obviously. So sure. whenever we're doing the toy play, I have to have my toy on my tummy. Yeah. So that it's right, or my phone on my tummy, so oh. it's next to the toy. Right, right, right. Um, and then we Skype, but... Those things aside, it's been so fucking fun. It seems like it's totally like, fun. <clears throat> I put the toy in. I give Alex control and we're like talking and saying sexy things and you know, the toy, he's like controlling it and going up and down with the vibrations and getting me all turned on. And then like every once in a while he hits the lightning bolt and I'm like, Whoa, holy shit. The other day we were playing and he goes, the lightning bolt is so dangerous. (laughs) 
so dangerous. <laughs> he just wants to like. He just wants to keep hitting it. it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, so funny. Yeah. It's been just like this amazing opportunity for us to like have sex across a distance. Yeah. In that. You know, I turn on my phone, he turns on his phone, I slide the toy inside, and fun can be had. Wow. And we've even been talking about how when we're, like, living together, if I put this in while I'm working in my office, he can yeah. be in the kitchen. Yeah, totally. And just be like, bzz, bzz, you know, every couple <laughs> minutes and like, woo! <laughs> yes. So, on one full charge, how long will the battery last? Well, I've only... Um, and I see there's a tiny little thing. There's a tiny little hole that you slide the little thing in for charging. Okay. So, it came to me fully charged. It arrived in the mail fully charged. Mm -hmm. I haven't charged it since then. And we've done uh, two very long sessions with it. And I did one session on my own with it, and then I also just kind of played with it on my own. So I've used it four times Dang. and had it on for anywhere from like 20 to 30 minutes each time at least. Cool. And I haven't had to charge it again, and it says it's still more than Dang. half charged. So the battery, at least at this point. Oh, because you can read on your phone app how much battery you have yep, left. Exactly. Cool. Yeah, so I mean, they're having some problems with the app, especially on the Android side. Um, like iTunes pulled the app down because they felt like it was pornographic and they had to change a couple of the pictures. Oh, and then really? oh. Google Play pulled it down because they felt like it didn't accurately, you know, basically say like this is an adult thing. And so they've been having some some issues with the app side. But, you know, I have an iPhone and Alex has an Android and we both have the apps. And so far, for the most part, they've worked really well, um, other than a couple of little issues here and there with like the Bluetooth, but right on. it's been so awesome. And there's lots of different companies that make toys like this. Like, Oh, my bod makes vibrators, like mm -hmm. a clip vibrator and an internal G spot vibrator mm -hmm. that sync up with apps. So they're not the only company that does cool. this for anybody who like travels a lot or spends a lot of time away from their partner. This is a startup thing. This was, yeah, this was a brand new toy. It's a company that's been around for a while, but this is their newest toy. And it was a, crowdfunding thing cool. so we got the toy at a discount because we were one of the early backers cool but yeah i just kind of wanted to like bring it in and talk about it because it's been it amazing looks pretty neat. yeah yeah awesome yeah and fun for you long distance lovers yes, for sure <laughs> it's so awesome to like pull up skype and just all of a sudden like Here stuff's happening inside of yeah. me you know and, and I'm, you're not even doing and i'm not doing it like, yeah <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I know. Okay. So our last episode that aired was episode 89. And, you know, we took a little break for the holidays. Mm -hmm. And so we did get a text message from somebody and it just says, loved episode 89. It's so refreshing to you to hear you talking about enjoying anal sex. Have a terrific holiday break. So, awesome. <laughs> I know. So anal sex. Oh. Yes, that was our last episode. And yes. I actually. Okay, so. This person's going to hear me say this, but uh, I'm in lots of different entrepreneurial groups, okay. you know, for yeah. supporting my business and stuff. Sure. And in one of the groups that I'm in, this person listens to the podcast. Okay. And after our last episode aired, I got a little IM because we had a meeting scheduled and she was like, can't wait for a meeting. By the way, now I know about your hairy ass. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's what happens when you... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's right that's right that's right that's what happens when oh people listen my to god. the podcast is they get to hear all about our bodies oh man that <laughs> and, is exactly right yeah those sex that we have oh. so 
yeah, I um, <laughs> I I know. I was. I, <sighs> I I mean, what do you do? That's just what happens. Yeah. So we got a couple of stories from our listeners, and I'm going to read the first one, and it's called "Getting Grounded for Getting Caught." Uh oh. Uh oh. Ladies, love your show. When I was in high school, I was giving my boyfriend some roadhead in his Mustang on the way to a movie. Right? When we were sitting at a red light, he finishes, I swallow, and I sit back up in my seat. Who's in the SUV next to us? My mom and dad. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) My parents grounded me for two weeks. I thought it was really... really unfair i'm sure my mom did it when she was in high school but do you guys think that a teenager should get grounded for getting caught having sex i bet if i was a boy and i was the one getting (laughs) getting my trailer hitched polished is what she says i wouldn't have gotten grounded by my dad my errand my parents act like the biggest hornballs sometimes so should i have gotten fucking grounded and i first of all the thought of sitting oh and anyway and it says love Haley. so <laughs> she was like she tells this other story about catching her parents having sex and seeing her mom's o face and yeah i know which i've yeah oh my God. I, it's scarring but but just the thought of like you're giving your boyfriend head and then you sit up in your seat and your parents are next to you like in a ferris bueller's day off kind of situation you know like in the yeah. car next to you just like what like how do you even come yeah. back from that <laughs> fuck it's like oh i just finished and you're wiping uh-huh. the fucking come off your lips or whatever right. and you look and you're, over like, and you're like hey dad oh shit <laughs> yeah no I, yeah. I can't even imagine that I'm... i would uh, she got off lucky i think my ass would have been like i think they would have put the car in park <laughs> they would have reached inside that fucking car pulled, pulled my fucking ass out and like beat the shit out of me and threw me in the back seat of their suv we're going home now you are grounded for life that's how i, I got gra- yeah. i got grounded for a month Oh, I got wow. grounded for a month because shenanigans took place, mind you. I mean, I did, I did not get caught giving head or whatever, but like, you know, I'm supposed to be the good girl, the right. oldest, and you know, much more well behaved than I was. And uh, I, I, you know, should you know the this day and age, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, yeah, I everybody has their own different. level of punishments or whatever, but. Oh man, if it would have been me in my days, yeah. I definitely would, would have had my my tail <laughs> tan. Yeah, I I I think my parents probably would have freaked out, maybe talked to me about the appropriate places to have sex and then pretended it never happened. <laughs> uh, and maybe I would have had like a little uh, bit of a tighter curfew for a while, but I don't yeah. know that I would have gotten grounded. And like, as for whether or not you should get grounded, <laughs> I think that just really depends on like your, the culture you're being raised in and your parents' values and stuff. If you have, if, if it's sex positive parenting that we're talking about, then I think in that situation, it's a matter of, so let's have a conversation about, like making sure that you're safe and if you want to be doing you know sexual activity making sure you're not in a situation where you might crash a car yeah make sure you know about like testing and fluid bonding and like all that kind of stuff but you know ultimately trying not to shame your kid for 
what's a healthy sexual expression. But as a parent, I imagine that would be pretty horrifying. Yeah. Like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Like, is that our daughter bending over giving head? Well, I feel like the first what thought would be hell? like, isn't that Jimmy? I thought he was out with our... Oh my god, that's Haley. Oh my god, that's Haley fucking... Oh my... Get her out right now. I am gonna her kick her ass. Yeah. I would... I don't know. Yeah, that would be a tough call. Yeah. Yeah, I think these days with all of the sex positivity it's like so embarrassing. that's starting to become more more available to parents. Yeah. You know, I think as more and more parents are talking to their kids at younger ages around their bodies and sexuality that there there does come a point where I think it's not as embarrassing for mm. parents and kids to to know about the sex that's going on and to talk about it. But if you're in a household where that's just never been talked yeah. about, and then all of a sudden sex is there, that's when it's so embarrassing mm-hmm. and so horrifying and, like, yeah. awkward and, oh, my God, Haley. Oops. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Grounded for two weeks. Good I on, yeah, I was going to say good on you for, like, having fun <laughs> with your boyfriend, but that, just it's the awesome. thought of looking over and seeing your parents. Yikes. Right? Yikes. That's definitely the first feeling. Which is worse, like, yeah. And I I think think she makes a great point about being a a a guy. True, true, true. You know, what if it would have been like you know uh, her boyfriend's dad? Right, exactly. Like, whoa. Right. It probably would have been been more like, like, just make sure you're safe, son. But way to go. Yeah, high five you when we get home. Right. Exactly. Because I, you know, I still think there is this double standard where. Guys are seen as being, like, naturally sexual, and you succeed at being a guy if you're sexual. And girls have to protect their purity, because we still have all the, like, slut beliefs and stuff. (laughs) So, hopefully that'll change down the road. But I do agree with you, Haley, that if you had been a boy and you got Um, caught, I think the conversation would have been super different. Yeah. I don't think you would have gotten grounded at all. I think it would have been just, like, make sure you're safe, son. Right. So speaking of listener stories, we got a we got a story from Maggie, uh, and the subject is girl centipede in indie. Uh, what? <laughs> Allow me to read. Okay. Dawn and Dylan, I listen to you every week, and I think your show's getting better by the week. Yay! Thank you. Two months ago, on a business trip to Indianapolis, I met a lesbian couple at the convention that I was at. Mm. <laughs> I see where it's going. Yeah. They were both touchy-feely kind of girls and really outgoing. On the third day I was there, they asked me if I'd like to join them at their hotel bar. I did, and we all got shit-faced off martinis. One of them, a tan brunette, asked me if I wanted to go up to their room where they said they had an untouched bottle of vodka. I thought about it and eventually said, yeah. About 20 minutes later, I found myself getting eaten out by the blonde, and the brunette was sucking on my hard nipples. I felt so worshipped. At one point, we were all totally naked, my ass was in the air, the brunette was eating me from behind, and her girlfriend was busy eating her from behind. So basically, we had a human centipede going. Wow. I've never been eaten out while in the doggy position before, and I have to say, I loved it. It was my first lesbian and first threesome experience. Women are so much more sensual than men, but I still adore a nice cock. Um, She said, I wore a strap on for the first time, and now I can see why guys like doggy style so much. Confessions are fun, Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) I love that little like strap on thing. That's so funny. I know. 
So Sounds like fun. Yeah, and she said she has no intentions of telling the guys that she's seeing right now about her fun in Indy. She just really wants to keep that for herself. Cool. But, yeah, I mean, like, good for you for being in a situation and thinking about, like, do I want to go up to their room? And then yeah. saying yes, and then having a, an amazing time. Right. And also, yay for wearing a strap-on for the first time. Fun. It's so fun. It's totally fun. It is totally fun. Yeah, like, even now, even though I've worn one many times, the second I pull my strap on on and I've got my my dick on, I stroke it. Power. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, no, I'll I'll loop this up. Because I just want to, like, stroke it. You know, like, feel uh, all like, this is my car. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so awesome. thank you so much for listening, Maggie. And yay you on having fun with women right. for the first time and for having your first threesome experience. Yes. Yeah, that's, like, that's really fun. And just, yeah, yay for, like, being brave and trying new things. I like that. Right? It doesn't happen to me that often. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't it happen to me that often? I know. Okay, we got another email from our listener, Allie, and it's about James Dean. Okay, I'll follow up. I, I meant to ask about what the outcome was, was with that. Yeah, so... Allie wrote in and just said the news about James Dean possibly assaulting women. Now, this was way back when it first came out. Possibly assaulting women is disturbing. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for more women to come forward and say how Dean assaulted them. I've masturbated to some of his scenes and I admit it, but he gives me the creeper vibes for a reason. I've always found it really disturbing when he's fucking somebody and he just starts slapping her face so hard. I'm sure some people get off on it, but I don't. Allie. So at this point now, I think it's nine people have come forward against him. Yeah. That's a lot. I know. And it's... He's up there with Bill Cosby. That's pretty much one of the articles was like, James Dean is the Bill Cosby of porn. Yeah. And that everybody saw him as, you know, kind of the boy next door, the -hmm. boy who didn't look like a lot of mainstream porn men, you know, like just kind of a a normal guy you see on the streets who was really cute. Yeah, and and had really built this brand on being kind of like the the woman's kind of guy. Right. And yeah, he's come out and said that the allegations are false, but since then more people have come forward and all said there's even pictures of one of the events that somebody is saying happened where she was at a party at the uh, kink.com fortress where they record all their porn. Uh She was brand new and very young. And she said that James Dean and this producer woman uh, basically like, pressured her into taking things up the ass um, in the middle of this party, even though she didn't want it. And she was kind of like, I don't think that I really want to do this. And then they did it anyway. And then when she was like, stop, they did. But then they kind of circled back and were like, ha ha ha, we're going to put things up your butt again. And people took pictures of it. And so she had pictures like of what had happened and, um, Stoya has, you know, kind of come back out and, and written a little bit more about what happened. And, you know, of course, <clears throat> what's really interesting is this is one of the first times that allegations have come out like this and people just automatically believe the person who's saying it, you know, like kink.com dropped him. Um, oh, wow. Oh, joy sex toy dropped him. All of the websites he was writing for dropped him. You know, it was just like, 
we're, we're dropping this and, and having the conversation. And I think that's really important because, you know, normally what happens is, and there has been a fair amount of this, but normally what happens is somebody comes forward and says, hey, this person sexually assaulted or raped me. And if they're especially well-liked or well-known, yeah. People are like, well, you don't have proof. You're you're just faking it because you want attention. And, you know, something really different happened with this. And I think that's really important. And I think we need to have more of it. And so, yeah, I mean, everybody who listens to this show knows how often I've masturbated to James Dean's stuff. And, you know, I even filled out the form to be in one of his films. Right. And, you know, so to have this happen is just kind of like... Well, that's really disappointing. Yeah. But there's lots of other Spank Bank material out there. There's lots of other people doing amazing work. Tons. And so it's not like I can't get off and it's not like I don't have lots of other stuff, but I agree with Allie and just that it's, it's really surprising and it's really disappointing. Totally. You know, and I, and what I want to happen is I don't want us to like vilify James Dean. What I want us to happen is let's start having better conversations about right. why people can't come forward sooner, why it's unsafe for people to come forward, especially sex workers, because so many people feel like sex workers can't be raped. Right. And, you know, of course, there is an oversight committee within porn that deals with consent in the adult industry. And um, Connor Habib is a porn star who is also on that board. And so they've been talking a lot about, like, how can we make consent a bigger part Mm -hmm. of the conversation? And I think specifically for mainstream porn, you know, one of the things around, like, ethical feminist porn is that the performers are actually part of the team who designs each scene. Yeah. And so I think that that really helps to prevent these kinds of things from happening and that if the writer and the director and the producer and the performers all sit down at a table and say okay what do we want to happen what feels good Mm -hmm. what's super on your yes what's super on your no what are you kind of fuzzy about and then during the scene actually negotiating on camera Mm -hmm. what you're going to do right you know i think that that lends itself to a much more consensual process for everyone involved whereas with mainstream porn usually the performers just show up and they're told what to do Mm -hmm. and while a performer can certainly have a no list, um, mm. I have actually talked to performers who will say, hey, I don't want to do anal fisting. That's not my thing. And in the middle of the scene, they get pressured to do it. And right. the thought is, well, if I say no, they won't hire me again and the money goes away. So right. I guess I'm okay. And not to say that that happens on every set because it doesn't. And not to say all mainstream porn is bad because some mainstream porn, especially like Jessica Drake and a couple of other folks are doing really amazing stuff in mainstream porn. But, um, you know, I just want this to be an opportunity for us to have better conversations. And yeah. And there's lots of other like super hot, sexy people making really hot, sexy porn other than James Dean. And so... We can just go support them for now. It's a never-ending supply. There is. Especially if you're willing to pay for it. Big penis. Wow. Porn. Big penis porn. Yeah. Yeah. I like big penis porn. Yeah, you do. (laughs) You also like self-sucking porn. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Don't make me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... I don't know why this made me think of it. Maybe it's because it's like bodily fluids or whatever. But um, the other day, it was 
Alex and I were like getting it on or whatever. Uh-huh. And I had already had like three orgasms uh-huh. and we were going for another one and I could just like feel it building. And I was like, I think I'm in a squirt. And I was just like going at it. And I was mostly just rubbing my clit, uh-huh. honestly, but I was like really vigorous. And yeah. all of a sudden, like the orgasm hit and I was like, oh, hell. And I like reached down and oh, there was just hell. this big wet, wet spot. <laughs> you know, like there was just like, oh, oh man. Hell. And I have a little stuffed teddy bear that Alex gave me. Oh, and, you know, original. We call him Bear. So it's always like, kiss Bear goodnight or whatever. Uh-huh. Well, Bear was next to me. And 20 minutes later, Alex and I are kind of getting ready to to finish up. And I grab Bear to kiss him. And my spooge was on his face. Ew! <laughs> gross. It was either lube or spooge. I'm not sure which. But the teddy bear's face was wet. And when I kissed him, I was like, well. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sex can be messy. Very messy. (laughs) Very messy. Okay. So we got a really serious email. Okay. We got a really serious email from our listener named Mikey or Mike. And is it Mike or Mikey? We got a couple of different people with different. Yeah. Mike. Um, So (laughs) it's a really, really deep question and I really wanted to get some other folks weighing in because I feel like uh, this is one of those topics where people are going to have lots of really strong opinions. And I also think it's one where because part of what's being talked about is something that I've personally been really close to. Sometimes it's hard for me to get a, a little bit more of an objective perspective. So I invited some sex educator friends that I know to weigh in. And so what I'd like to do is read his email, okay. talk about it a little bit, and then read some of the responses that I got. And um, I think some people are going to feel really strongly about some of the responses. Okay. But I think it'll be a good discussion. So Mike's The email address is Mikey doesn't likey. Uh Uh-oh. And then the subject is ambiguous assault. Okay. Hey, so here's the story. Hey, ladies, I wanted to respond to your support of victims of sexual assault from the last episode. So we were talking about Stoya. I have worked as a clinical case manager with victims of violence, so I understand the importance of offering unconditional empathy and support to those who have found themselves in the unfortunate circumstance of abuse. A longtime friend and sex partner and I shared a wild weekend in Vegas recently. We literally partied with porn stars at the Mirage, but it turned out to be a nightmare. After playing with folks at a pool party, we were invited to continue the fun that evening at a local sex club. While we were playing with a woman at the club, my partner was approached by a man who started to have sex with her. I made sure he was wearing a condom as she seemed to be allowing him to penetrate her. She never gave overt verbal consent to him, and he started going for it really rough. I knew that she generally liked fairly vanilla roughish sex with me, but I started to feel uncomfortable with what was going down, and I asked her, are you okay with this? Her response was, are you? I interpreted her response as, yes, I'm okay with this. If you're not feeling too jealous, continue playing with the other woman while we do this. But on the cab ride home back to the hotel, or on the cab ride back to the hotel, my friend said she had been raped. He left bruises around her neck, and we spent the next day until our flights back home to our cities of origin trying to kind of get her back together, trying to find a moment for her to feel safe again, because she was totally devastated. 
After six months of phone conversations, texts, and emails, my friend told me she needed a break from communicating with me. I continued to contact her once every six months, asking if she was ready to communicate again, but never heard back. I eventually moved back to the city where she and I had first hung out, and she still lives. When I tried to contact a mutual friend to get together, now that I was back in town, he said, you didn't protect her. Please don't try to get to her through me. I'm terribly distraught from the collateral trauma of the assault, losing friendships, and feeling really shameful and guilty. I've stopped trying to communicate with my friend because I worry that I would further traumatize her with unwanted contact. I would love to emotionally process my feelings with her and our mutual friend. I want to vindicate myself. I feel like I'm being treated like the perpetrator. I feel terrible that I didn't stop this from happening to her, guilty that I wasn't empathetic enough to know that she was being hurt, even though I was within arm's reach and didn't stop it. Do you gals think I should continue with infrequent contact with her, inviting her to continue our friendship? How do I defend myself to our mutual friends without minimizing what happened? We didn't establish a safe word before going to the sex party and the club, which could have averted the assault. But other than that, are there any other precautions to take before playing like this? What's my responsibility in all of this? Um, and then he says, we're doing wonders for the sex positive community, not to mention his fantasy life. Keep up the good work. Your listener, Mike. So I, I wrote back to him right away and I said, this is a horrible situation for everyone involved. I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. And I'm so sorry this is happening to your friend. I want to sit with it. I want to reach out to some folks and then we'll discuss it, you know, in a few weeks. So I was feeling pretty overwhelmed by all of that because it is really intense and it's really complicated. And especially as someone who's been in a situation when an assault or something like that is happening, in my experience, like my response was to totally shut down and check out completely. So if somebody had asked me a question, I probably would have done the minimum that I needed to just stop the conversation because I didn't want to be present. Right. And so I understand why her response was what it is. Right. You know, it's like, uh, I'm just trying to get through this. And if I actually acknowledge what's going on, it's going to be too much. So like, it's just horrible all the, all the way around. Um, and people that I reached out to had some really interesting thoughts on it, but I just wanted to see if you had any thoughts or if you want me to read their responses first and then we can riff off that. Yeah, let's riff off that. Okay. So one of the people that I reached out to and she said, I don't mind being quoted is Deanne Cope. And she made a list and the, you know, she said, like, I've suffered from trauma and this is particularly triggering, especially right around all the James Dean stuff. So, you know, she said that, first of all, even though it sucks, she totally understands the avoidance of this woman needing to talk to Mike. Um, and that it really needs to be up to her to initiate contact when she's ready. And so her, a couple of her points were... Um, you know, she's not obligated to relive the trauma in order to make him feel better. Right. Um, trying to reach out to her to talk about this is, is probably traumatizing. And so that needs to stop. Um, she said one of the things that she wants to point out is that he needs to take responsibility for his privilege in this situation. And that he's probably never been in the position to be 
afraid to overtly stand up for himself in a vulnerable situation. And that a lot of men are never find themselves in that situation. And so he probably wasn't raised to, he was probably raised to not be the party pooper and to be a people, or he, he wasn't raised the way that women are raised, which is don't be the party pooper and be a people pleaser. Yeah. So that makes it harder to stand up for yourself. Um, she's, she's pretty pissed at the club for not having an ongoing consent policy and there needs to be more screening in place basically. And then she says, you know, Mike is not the perpetrator, but he's also not the victim. Right. And you know, he wasn't the one that was fucking her without her permission. That's the guy that did the bad thing. Um, and she said the only thing that he he may be at fault for is interpreting her lack of enthusiastic consent as consent. And that, you know, it's not on him that the rape happened, but he also isn't the victim of anything that's going on. She's trying to take care of herself and he's interpreting that as being the victim. Um, and then wanting distance and making him a lightning rod is a natural human reaction and that he needs to find a, a really a way to resolve his guilt and um, he needs to try and find a way to let go of his shame because he isn't the focus of the story, even though that's that's really hard. Right. Um, somebody else said, and this person didn't say if I could quote them or not, so I won't use their name. But they said, if Mike recognizes the person who was involved, is there any way that he can uh, either speak to this person or speak to the club to ensure future safe play? So that's one thing you can do is if now they were out of town and in Vegas, so the likelihood that he knows this person is probably very small. But if you are a part of a community and something like this does happen and you know the person who right. violated someone's consent you can talk to them and say, how can we do better down the road? Because this happened and it's not okay. And I see you because so much of what happens, especially in BDSM communities and uh, sex party communities and swinger communities is that everybody secretly knows the person who keeps violating consent, but nobody is saying, I see you. I know. Right. And so it keeps happening because nobody wants to be the, the one that's the caller outer or, you know, the one that's rocking the boat or whatever. And so then it keeps happening. But if you go to any community, there's one person, at least sometimes multiple that everybody knows, just kind of stay away from that guy because right. everybody feels like he does this thing. And right. what you need to do, especially if you're in a position of power and by power, I mean, if you're privileged, if you're white, if you're cis male, if you know, lots of different things, if you're one of the organizers, whatever it is, if you've got any kind of privilege, it's your responsibility to say, I see you. Right. Um, and then Toby Hill Meyer, who I have a crush on, uh, who's a, uh, a trans activist. She was at the queer porn film festival that I went to. Okay. Um, she is a porn performer and she's a porn producer and she does lots of stuff around trans women porn. And I think she's super awesome. Um, she, she wrote some really wonderful stuff and said that it was okay to, to quote her. And so she said, sometimes you don't get closure and that's real. There's a million reasons why something can gnaw at you and really bothers you, but you never get a chance to address it with the people that were involved. And here's the really important part. You're not entitled to that closure. 
for Mike, from Mike's telling of the incident, there are some things that maybe he could have done better, but nothing that makes it his fault. He is not the rapist. But based on his behavior since that night, he very well might be a bad guy. And this isn't saying he's trying to be a bad guy, but she goes on to say that he seems really focused on his hurt feelings um, more than anything else. And I think part of the reason is because he was writing to us asking for advice. So I think we just need to like kind of recognize that. But um, his trauma, his loss, his guilt, and his need to, to not be seen as the bad guy are part of what's driving her away. And she gets to decide whether or not she wants to talk to him. She gets to decide whether or not she's ready for that. And by him trying to kind of keep pinging out and forcing the connection and forcing the talk, he's centering himself instead of centering her. Right. And then she says, like, what does he think is going to happen if he finally does get to talk to her after all of this time? She's probably not going to say, you did nothing wrong. So if that's the case, then what is she going to say to him and how is that ultimately going to help the situation or make him feel? Because what she's probably going to say is, I feel really hurt by what happened and I feel like, you know, since then you've just kept reaching out and that's felt really bad. And so actually having that conversation might go very differently than what he thinks. And then Toby says, I can empathize with him though. It's This really twisted combination of worry and shame mixed with being cut off from information. And that can really drive you to just feel like you need to fix things. Mm -hmm. Because now all of these things are happening that kind of contradict what you thought was okay in the world. And that's a really tough place to be in. And... And she's talking about the questions that might be gnawing away at Mike. Like, does she think he's well-meeting but naive? Does she think that he's a harassing abuser because he just keeps reaching out and she really wants to be left alone? Is she thinking him guilty of something that he's really not? Does she think he's a good guy but she's just trying to let go of anything and everyone who's a reminder of the trauma? Like, these are all questions that are probably running through his head. And he may never get an answer. And the bottom line, according to Toby, is that it's up to him to really work through that. It's not her responsibility to make him feel better. So, so I, recap this story for me. Because, I mean, like, I'm trying to understand mm-hmm. because <laughs> a couple goes to Vegas mm-hmm. For a play party mm-hmm. event type thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Well, I think it, it they were there and they kind of got into the party. Like, I don't think the point of being there was the party. Were they together as a couple? Um, they're friends who had sex. They're friends so who have... So they have sex on occasion uh-huh. with each other for funsies, right? Right. Okay. And so... So apparently he was going down on some woman and this guy comes up and just grabs his friend and starts fucking her. And he kind of was like, oh, are you okay with this? And she was just kind of like, are you? And then at the end, she was like, actually, I was really But then, not like, okay. right, at that point right there, like, what was the mm-hmm. purpose of that? Like, are, okay, so he's being mindful of, hey, are you okay with being fucked really hard right now? Mm-hmm. And as, like, you know, as a male protector or whatever. Right. But then what was her 
question of, are you okay with this? Like, are you okay? Like, are you jealous or are you okay with watching me being so I don't so think we can get the answer to that. I, my guess mm. based on my experience, which is very limited is in that moment, my guess is based on how I process. So of course this is different for everybody. If she was truly like, oh my God, I don't want this. I can't believe this is happening. I can't even process. What do I say? I don't know how to deal with this. And then somebody asks you a question and you don't want to be the person that just starts sobbing and making a scene because you're not okay. You flip it around on them because you can't be processing where you are and what's happening. And so one of the things that one of these folks was saying was, you know, if it wasn't like, oh my God, yeah, this is amazing or hell yeah, I'm having fun. Maybe there should have been a second check-in of that wasn't an answer to my question. Are you okay with this? Do we need to stop this? Cause it truly wasn't an answer to the question. It was right. a deflection. So I think in the actual scene, that was the only real opportunity for Mike maybe to do something different right. is he asked her a question and she did not answer that question. And I think it's hard. I mean, in that situation where those two, that exchange happened mm -hmm. and there was no real clear cut, like, right. you know, trying to understand the dynamics of the two of their relationship, mm -hmm. like, you know, how close are they? And then right. what, you know, what, yeah, maybe going into it, like, hey, we're just going to go and, you know, do the sex party or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should have safe words or whatever. Right. But have they played like that before? Like, right. do you always establish safe words or, Hey, mm -hmm. this is just a free for all. Let's just right. go see. And not knowing, you know, mm -hmm. like, at, like if you and I went to a play party together, okay, mm -hmm. I got a kitchen pass. Let's go right. to a play party. And you like, you and I have never done that before. Right. So what would we know when, what our cues are mm -hmm. for like when things aren't, you know, right. if I'm not like, you know, putting this <laughs> hand motion across right. my neck saying, cut it, cut it. We got to go. You know, right. this is not fun. Mm -hmm. Then I wouldn't know what it means. Like, are you okay with this? Right. You know, like, Hey, are you okay with this right now? Mm -hmm. Um, are you okay with it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, Easy. It's really tricky. It's really easy to to misconstrue or miss mm -hmm. whatever the cues were. Absolutely. And unfortunately, um, if she was in a place where she didn't feel safe and got hurt and got bruised, I mean, when you when you look back on a lot of other people who play who like to play rough mm -hmm. and bruising is part of it, and they yeah. like it and they like to get spanked and choked out or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It might not seem right. like it's out of the ordinary, right. you know? So I feel bad that she's cut him off. I totally feel his frustration mm -hmm. of not having closure, and he may not get closure. Right. I fucking hate it, too. I hate when people all of a sudden just, like, leave something and, and don't really give a reason. Like, yeah. what, what the fuck? Right. You know, I've, I've had friends just, like, walk out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, um, what the what where the did, fuck just happened? What right. happened? Um, mm -hmm. Did something... What? Was something I said? Do I have bad breath? What? Right. <laughs> and you don't fucking tell me. Right. And then you cut me off and you delete Facebook or whatever uh -huh. the fuck it is, you know, and you're like... It's because you're an asshole. I don't have... <laughs> you know, yeah. Right. And... And it sucks. And you... And it totally sucks. Right. And you're... And I don't, you know... It's, um... I don't understand the whole, you know, I I don't 
you know, I not knowing the full story mm-hmm. of their relationship and everything that went mm-hmm. on. I mean, I understand the frustration of him not having totally. closure. He may not have closure and the whole victim side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets to do whatever she needs to do to take yeah. care of herself. Yeah. And that's the bottom line, yeah. you know, and I think like there's two different things at play. I think there's the actual event. Mm-hmm. And I think in that moment, something really horrible happened and Mike did not do the horrible thing. This other person did the horrible thing. This other person did not use enthusiastic, ongoing, voluntary consent. Right. He just took something. And in that moment, and I think part of the problem is because we as a culture don't train our kids how to have conversations and how to identify true consent, mm-hmm. then when we're adults in these sexual situations, we kind of just make a lot of assumptions because we don't know how to identify, wait, she didn't actually answer my question. In the moment, it's just kind of like, well, she didn't say, help me, so Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep going back to doing what I'm doing because we don't have the the emotional intelligence as a society. This isn't anything against Mike. As a society, we get in these sexual situations and we fail each other a lot. Because we have to learn the hard way because we never get taught. Right. And so I think in that situation, like having a safe word when you go into a play party with a friend is a really smart idea. And actually not only having a physical safe word, but having an emotional safe word. So Alex and I have an emotional safe word, which means at any point I start getting triggered. I'm having a conversation with somebody that's making me uncomfortable. I'm starting to feel real wonky. I use my emotional safe word in a sentence and he knows to pull me off to the side and we get to have a conversation about what's going on for me. That's a different safe word than I'm physically playing with somebody and now I'm starting to feel unsafe because that's important. Yeah. So having something like that is really super helpful. And then also all of us just recognizing that if someone's truly engaged in a sexual act that they want to be engaged in, they're going to be for the most part, you know, and there's a couple of exceptions to this, but if you're at a play party and you're having sex with people that you really want to be having sex with, there's going to be a whole lot of like, Oh my God, this is so hot. This is so fun. If someone comes over and it's like, um, are you doing okay? And be like, am I doing okay? I have two hotties going down on me right now. Yes, I'm okay. You know, I mean, like there's this like, yeah, I can't believe this is happening to me moment. And I think we need to be a lot more discerning about those kinds of things. That's not to say Mike did something wrong, but there was an opportunity for just some refinement in that. Now, what happened after is a different story. Now, I think that allowing her to say I was raped and then the two of them really processing through that is really important. But, you know, I can tell you that to this day, even thinking about the city that my rapist lives in, sometimes I just don't even want to hear the name of that city, much less think about going to events in that city. And when Alex and I were in Vancouver, even though we were six hours away from that city, I looked at all the people who RSVP'd to that event because I was terrified that this person might show up. Right. So, you know, it's like I have to put all of these emotional checks in place in order to feel safe. And so if for her to feel safe, she needs to totally disengage from anything that reminds her of that so that she can do her healing. Right. She gets to do that. And she doesn't owe anybody an explanation. Right. And it might be real hard to be on the receiving end of that. But that's what happens when you suffer some type of really traumatic event. And so it really sucks because Mike, you know, didn't rape her. He didn't do something to her that he shouldn't have done. And in fact, he did try in that moment. 
to do the right thing. And that's terrific. Right. Sure, there's room for improvement, but hell, there's room for improvement in everything. But the after afterwards, I think what needs to happen is I was raped. This is intense. You fly back home. If you reach out to her and say, hey, I'd really love to talk about this some more. But when you're ready, reach out to me and then letting it go. Yeah. And as frustrating as that might be and as scary as that might be and as unsatisfying as that might be, that's really your only option. Because otherwise, it starts to become this, like, even more painful thing that's happening where every time you reach out to her, there's the potential that she goes right back to that trauma right. and is re-triggered. And so she's just shutting down more and more and more. And you're driving her away further and further. Right. And so, you know, I think at this point, it needs to be zero contact. If at some point she feels like she's ready... And she's done enough healing that talking to Mike doesn't mm-hmm. really bring bad shit up, then she'll probably reach out. And like, it totally sucks that this friendship is potentially completely lost as a result of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think the hard thing is the fact that now other friends have started hearing the story. And of course, you know, Mike doesn't want to be the bad guy, he doesn't want to be the person that friends are like, you didn't protect her, all right. this kind of stuff. It, it's okay to talk to those friends without talking to her, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. if you really want to. But I think there's also something, I think there's also something really scary and vulnerable in saying, can you just support our friend? And like, I'm not trying to get to her. I really want to leave her alone. And thank you for supporting her. If you ever want to talk to me about what happened, I'm mm-hmm. here. But... It's it's hard not to go into defense mode. Right. You know, but you will meet new friends and you will meet other people. And that's like the beauty of life is when you lose someone, someone else comes in. And I think, unfortunately, you know, for Mike, it's he says, I'm terribly distraught from the collateral trauma. And you are it's fine to be distraught, but she doesn't owe you anything. Right. And you can't keep asking her for anything and find a way to support yourself. You know, like what would feel really good if you've lost this friendship in finding some new friends or even finding a support group for Hmm. people who are friends or loved ones of survivors of trauma. Right. You know, I think that there might be something and like, you know, everybody is like, Oh, support groups, you know, whatever. But I, I tell you, there's something really amazing when you sit down with somebody who's been through something similar to you and they can say, dude, I totally get it. That sucks so bad. You know, and there are groups out there. They might be online or they might be in person where, you know, your your spouse or your sister or your friend was raped and you need support around that because that's really hard. Mm-hmm. And so, Mike, you get to decide what feels good for you and how to, to get that support for yourself. But it just can't be asking for her, you know, for right. her engagement. So... It's, it's a really tough situation. And I, and I think what's really, really tough about it is there's like basically two things happening. It's what happens in that actual sexual event. How can we protect ourselves better? How can we have better conversations? And then if something does go wrong, if something painful does happen, you get to feel yucky and you get to feel bad, but you need to find support that doesn't in any way burden the victim. Mm -hmm. You have to find a way to center the victim. And what does she need? What is she telling you or not telling you? If she's not communicating, that's still communicating. Mm -hmm. So how do you honor that 
and then off on on the on your own kind of process your stuff and that's mm-hmm. the hard stuff because you do want to be like i'm hurting too right you know but then that can be really big burden yeah so big mess a big mess and it's such a shame that you know this happened because someone at a play party felt like he had a right to have sex with someone without negotiating it right you know and like now all of these lives are impacted you know friendships are lost sex partners are lost people are traumatized um and and that does happen it has this huge domino effect Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people who are uh not real consent savvy yeah don't realize that they're not just hurting that person by coercing or manipulating them into sex they're now hurting all of that person's loved ones you know and potentially damaging lots of other relationships right and so yeah i mean i'd love for our listeners to weigh in it's a heavy topic with some really big thoughts um you know some of the people that we quoted are people who work in this industry and have lots of exposure to trauma and so you know they have really um really informed opinions but sometimes that's really hard to hear some of those things when Mm -hmm. we're in pain and we want our pain to be validated to hear your pain doesn't matter Mm -hmm. you know and so yeah mike i just want to say thank you so much for listening and i also want to say thank you for being so brave and writing to us Mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of courage for you to share this story and for you to say that you're hurting and for you to say that you're confused but it also gives us an opportunity to have this conversation so that other people can hear it and other people can hear. Can, uh, there's probably other people listening right now who are like, yeah, I've been that friend who right. didn't know it was time to step in. Or I've been that friend that didn't know my girlfriend was being abused or whatever it was. Right. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about this. And, you know, if if you need help finding ways to support and to move through this, then let us know and I can try and get you in touch with some resources. Awesome. Yeah. So that was a big one. Woof. Oh. Woof. Yeah. So um, that's our full hour. There you go. Wow. Look at that. We <clears throat> filled that quickly. Um, we've got a huge announcement coming out next week. So be sure to tune in to our Hit It and Quit It. That's going to be episode 91. Huge announcement. And don't forget, um, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Cooper Beckett's new book. You can pre-order it 25% off, a lifelessmonogamous.com. Information will be up at sex. Uh, Jesus, sex.com. Sexgetsreal.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you've got any thoughts or questions, either about remote control vibes, about any of the listener stories, about Mike's question, about any of that kind of stuff, um, please go to sexgetsreal.com where you can use the contact form to write into us. And we hope that you have a wonderful 2016. So this is Dawn. And this is Dylan. And this is Sex Gets Real. <laughs>